0: Welcome listeners to another episode of the Banquet Hall Podcast. Uh, As always, my name is Kyler Nathan, the fourth Kyler, if you will, and I am your host for the pod as usual. Uh, If y'all haven't already, which this is a recurring reminder, please do the influencer things like the podcast, follow the podcast, thumbs up the podcast, subscribe, follow, tell a friend, all the things that... I feel like I'm just preaching to the choir at this point. I feel like the people that are subscribed that are listening, they're already doing the thing, but we're trying to grow the podcast. So I got to start every podcast by saying those words. Uh, but I'm lucky to be joined by a former student employee that I used to work with, a current UC San Diego student. Precious, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, hey, y'all.
0: Great, great to have you on the podcast. I don't know if you know this, but I think you're the youngest guest ever of the Banquet Hall pod. How's, how does that make you feel?
1: honored <laughs> I didn't realize but yeah
0: yeah because I have I, you're the only current student that I have interviewed on the podcast thus far not that I'm closed off to interviewing students it just wasn't a thing that was at the top of the to-do list but mm. yeah I feel like I feel like I'm talking with a youth no I'm just kidding
1: because <laughs> <laughs> we two generations apart <sighs>
0: hey don't don't say two generations like that like it's that makes joke. you feel like <laughs> That makes the you feel of, like I'm f-
1: No, we're in the same decade so I'm pulling your legs, you know that.
0: Yeah, but like I don't know when you said two generations apart that just made me that made a gray hair pop up on my <laughs> head.
1: <laughs> well, gray hairs are wisdom over here, not stress or anything, so you're welcome.
0: But yeah, I shade to that um but I feel like this would be back-to-back podcast episodes where I start feeling oh because last episode when I was recording with Aaliyah uh, she did the little period sign and I thought she was saying no to something I'm like oh I'm 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 a grandpa (laughs) because I've never said period and done like no gestures like that's 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 not me we're we're two generations older than you so Mm. (laughs) uh but uh, listeners, y'all are in for a treat. Uh, looking forward to y'all getting to know Precious more and the things that Precious is passionate about. So, just want to go ahead and get started with the question I always start the podcast with, or at least 99% of the time. There's one episode where I didn't start it with. Uh, but, Precious, where are you from and how did that shape who you have become?
1: I am from San Diego, California, born and raised. I don't think it's like shaped who I am that much because I've been indoors <laughs> most of my life growing up, like, definition of a homebody, I, like, I'll tell people, and then they're like, oh, where are the best place? don't ask me, I do not know, Google knows more than me, I'm, I'm, like, barely starting to get out more, like, visit places, so, okay, aside from, like, needing temperate weather, like, once it's over 75, I'm hot, once it's below 60, I'm cold, like, I would say that's how, San Diego has influenced or impacted me just growing up here. And I guess also like being familiar with cost of living being high and fluctuating. (laughs) Like I had a very early introduction to that as far as like uh, only being in my early 20s and being aware of that as a concept. Because I remember vividly like driving home from school one day, elementary school, gas was $2 something which seems inconceivable now because most places it's like $5 something. So, yeah, early introduction to that.
0: Yeah, I I vividly remember those $2 gas days and even maybe a little below $2. I remember when I was younger, my dad used to put like $20 in the tank and we'd be good. Now you put $20 in a tank, you got to go get gas the next block. Because yeah, I think that was the biggest shock. When I landed back at the San Diego airport on um, Thursday and where I was, my friend was dropping me off at home. I was like, does that say 679? <laughs> like, like, God. It's like,
1: well, let me check my vision real quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, wow. because in Amsterdam where I was last week, Gas was two dollars or two euros, but it was two euros in Amsterdam. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, what what are we doing here in the States? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I gotta fill up my car sometime today, too. So thanks for that reminder. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but that's interesting that you don't think San Diego has shaped you much outside of the weather because I feel like San Diego has so much nuance to it as a city, like there's different parts of San Diego. I'm assuming you're not from La Jolla, California, where you see San Diego is place, right? Correct.
1: Yeah, correct.
0: So what would you say are like some of the things that you've, or some of the differences maybe that you've seen based off of how you grew up in the part of San Diego you grew up in versus going to a school like UC San Diego, which is in La Jolla and in a more privileged white part of the city, as well as meeting people from a lot of different places around the world. Like, have you noticed any stark differences between uh, your upbringing and the upbringing of your peers?
1: I would say, I guess I need to interact with the city more. Mm. Of course, I've met like more people from more countries because growing up, I guess one could say like my elementary school was predominantly white, but there were still a lot of black students and Asian students and then middle school because I had moved to El Cajon and stayed there and still am in El Cajon now Uh, that's when I met a lot of Middle Eastern students and that's when like the ethnicities that I'm familiar with grew significantly so coming to La Jolla as far as like the clear tax bracket difference as far as like there's Target on campus not a Walmart for (laughs) example and just like seeing I remember the day walking through campus there were like cars and not like Toyota Camrys which we love but like cars I don't recognize the brand okay and I think it was like
0: not Camrys oh. catching a stray on the podcast
1: <laughs> I mean they're a durable car like we, we appreciate them but I was seeing cars I don't recognize and they were just lined up on library walking like okay so you're taking up. A- for us to walk. You're also reminding us that we need to get our money up. I'm happy for y'all, but like, oh my goodness, this is college. We're here to get degrees. But y'all are like having fun talking about cars with the cars present at the same time. So I guess has just been different in the sense that it feels far more more like metropolitan city life really bustling of course there's like the scenic route that when we drive through La Jolla more when I was living on campus that we enjoyed because these houses are beautiful okay like HGTV but live and direct just from the outside and I appreciated that but it uh, does feel a bit different for sure and I guess but then again I'm on a campus I don't see like families Mm -hmm. Yeah, like just out and about. I don't really see families like that. Maybe here and there on the trolley, but I don't really see families. I just see people like going to work, going to school, coming back from there, vice versa.
0: Totally valid. Um, A couple things came to mind as you were giving that answer. One, you don't know a UC San Diego without Target on campus, huh? Like Target's been on campus since, wow. The privilege yeah. back in my <laughs> day. <laughs> Because
1: it arrived my first year. People were lining out like it was a concert. And I was like, it's not that special. It's just a target. Like, the markets were fine for me, but I guess the convenience
0: is helpful. Nah, it's, it's special. I ain't never seen no college campus that got a target on it. Because literally my first week at UCSD, we had to take a bus to the target on Balboa. And this was even before. So now, or at least a couple years ago, They used Mm -hmm. to have a shuttle that would take students to Target at the beginning of the year. We just had to hop on the bus, go to Target, or I would drive folks to the Target on Balboa. Mm -hmm. But now that the there's a target on campus, literally, whenever I talk to some of the folks that I went to UCSD with and they talk about, oh, like how's campus changed? And I say there's a target on campus, their jaw drops, like there's a target. And then talking Mm -hmm. about like just how much stuff is in that target, like, man, y'all, y'all blessed. Um, And I feel like I'm probably going to end up asking you a bunch of UCSD questions, uh, just because a lot of the folks I went to UCSD with, they always ask, like, oh, what's campus like now? Like, what's the Black community Mm -hmm. like now? Not that you have to speak for everybody, but I think it will Mm -hmm. be interesting to hear some of that experiences. Um, The other thing that you mentioned about the fancy cars that is such a humbling experience when you're walking to college campus because there's a picture that I took I think it was my first year I might even try to find it and put it on the podcast and post but I think it was like a Rolls Royce or a Maybach just parked at Price Center I was like wow I didn't know that like regular people could just drive these on a college campus like yeah celebrities yeah. like movie stars athletes like yeah they got the fancy car but just to see somebody pull up what a Rolls mm-hmm. Royce with they backpack on, just going to Burger King real quick and then going to class. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm uh-huh. broke. OK, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. broke.
1: Yeah, that's definitely what it felt like in the moment. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to rejoice with those that rejoice. But I did not need such a clear reminder. Like, oh, my goodness, because some of us go to financial aid office. OK, but it's, so damn, it's all cool.
0: It is all cool. It ain't cool, but it is all cool at the same time mm-hmm. because like I'm definitely grateful for all the blessings I have in my life. But man, that was a moment where I'm like, dang, like, I didn't I didn't know this was an option. Like, why don't we all just were driving Rolls Royces on campus? Mm. I also saw one people was taking like lifts and Ubers across campus. I'm like, you can afford to just call a lift to take you right across campus when you can walk. There's shuttles.
1: Literally.
0: UCSD different, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but let's talk a little bit. Let's start with why you came to UCSD. So obviously you're a San Diego native. What made UCSD stand out to you as somewhere you wanted to go for your undergraduate education?
1: Uh, It was mostly like uh, it checked the right boxes. So financial aid package, it was good. It was close enough to home just uh, because like as an only child for however many years, Trying to go like to a different state or cross country, that's just not realistic. <laughs> like, I was homesick in my dorm. I couldn't imagine being homesick uh, states away and trying to think of a ticket, could only visit every so often, as well as, um, you know, being pre med, UCSD's up there. It was my top three of the 19 schools. <laughs> yeah, of the 19 wow. schools I've, yeah, that I applied to. And, of the top three, it was the one that accepted me. So I was like, okay, at least we got one of the three as well as uh some of the, I don't remember how much outreach there was, but the BRC, the Black Resource Center was definitely one of the defining factors because I was picking between UCSD and another UC.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the other UC from what I found online, did not have a Black Resource Center at that point. But it had a bunch of other uh, ethnic-based resource centers. And I was just like, y'all, get it together. UCSD is looking pretty good right now compared to you. <laughs> so, uh, as well as, like, the pros and cons list, because I made a pros and cons list for every school. They had enough quality pros, few cons. And like I said, it was close enough to, like, drive and move in instead of like need a hotel, sleep over, and then drive to the place type of situation. And, you know, people taught my research. I was like, I know med schools want that. So this sounds like the place to go. And yeah, we ended up at UCSD.
0: And so you ended up at UCSD. You mentioned being pre-med. What major within pre-med are you pursuing? Global health. And what drew you to global health?
1: I would say, honestly, it was just the catalog at first. The catalog looked cute, and <laughs> it said that uh, traveling abroad was, like, a requirement to graduate, and I knew that I wanted to study abroad. Anyway, so I was like, if I have a major that requires it, like, I'm bound to make it happen. I'm not going to, like, procrastinate or forget somehow in the busyness of other things, as well as, you know, entering college during 2020, it felt very relevant because it's like global pandemic, global health. It goes together (laughs) as well as not wanting to do biology. I knew I did not want to do it. I don't like it enough to want a degree in it. And being one of a lot of pre-med applicants with a bio degree, like I wanted to be different, but clearly not that different <laughs> because it has health <laughs> in the word, although it is isn't social sciences. But yeah, that's really all it came down to. And thank God I like my classes because I also mm. didn't want to come into a school undeclared. I, I, Knowing myself, I knew that that could potentially stress me out, make me nervous. And I was hoping that once I enter, I don't have to change my degree and we're still with it. So I like it. Thank God my classes have been so interesting. Professors, really cool people. And I'm just, I'm just grateful that I found the major, yeah.
0: It's really good to hear um, because I feel like too often when people talk about their major, it's like, yeah, I'm doing this major, I hate it, or like just not mm-hmm. getting anything out of it. So it's good that you have a positive working relationship with your major. And you mentioned studying abroad. Uh, listeners who are all the way tapped in. know oh, that last episode of Lee and I talked about studying abroad a bit. Do you have an idea of where you want to study abroad?
1: No, I just know it's not going to be in North America because I already live here. So it has to be in one of the <laughs> it has to be in one of the other continents. And I've only gone to out of the country, Nigeria, so far. So either another African country or somewhere in Asia, Europe south america the options are there it's just to see what aligns preferably Uh like for my major if not like a global health course ideally like some research research or internship opportunity it's just learning while in a different place but in the meantime it's likely going to have to be an english-speaking country which is so embarrassing because it's like the only language that I feel very comfortable in but yeah
0: but I mean the good thing about studying abroad though is that you're going with a group or with a professor and so you'll be around English speakers it might be cool to immerse yourself in a place that isn't predominantly English speaking or somewhere where English is like a second language because a lot of those European countries they also speak English Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just so cool to be able to immerse yourself in another place. And you mentioned Nigeria is the place that you've been to outside of the United States. Is there anywhere on your bucket list just in general, regardless, regardless if you would study abroad or not?
1: Yeah, we got a few. So <clears throat> Japan, India, Italy, Ghana, South Africa, Kenya, Brazil, because Portuguese is such a pretty language and it's close <laughs> to Spanish, which I like retained a little bit of from high school. Uh, Maybe Guatemala or Honduras, Mexico, obviously, it's right there. And I want to like put my <laughs> Spanish practice to work in Spain because I feel like Spain's a basic uh, study abroad option because it's reliable, you know, and a lot of people go there. But that could be really fun. And I might watch soccer if like the calendar aligns because i don't like sports like that but if it's happening i'll go watch <laughs> and it'll be really cool to see like uh soccer being played in a place where it's referred to as
0: football not soccer because you know we're in the u.s we are in the united states unfortunately or fortunately depending on the day i guess but i will admit when i got back to when i got back to the u.s last week i was like dang i am i'm back in america huh hmm <laughs> But so UCSD, global health, you want to study abroad. Uh, You mentioned the Black Resource Center as one of those reasons uh, that you wanted to attend UC San Diego. And the BRC more or less is how we first crossed paths. Do you remember our first interaction or when we first, first crossed paths at UCSD? I'm going
1: to say yes and no. (laughs) No, because I don't remember like the first time I saw you because everything was over Zoom. Yes, because I know you were one of the people that interviewed me for my intern job alongside Portia, the then director. So that's the earliest I remember like speaking to you, (laughs) but you were probably on some Zoom call for like a BRC or maybe BSU event prior to that.
0: That is right. I think that our first first interaction was definitely via Zoom for that interview. Um, Were you nervous?
1: Yes, I was, but I was very excited. <laughs> I was with my red turtleneck ready to go. Like, I have that video on my Snapchat. So, thank God for Snapchat because that's where all of freshman year <laughs> was documented, aside from my laptop as well.
0: Now, Snapchat being the documenting platform, <laughs> it really was. Uh, but yeah, I do. I kind of remember the, you said a red turtleneck?
1: Yeah, it was the only, like, I wanted a turtleneck and I didn't have a blazer on me, I didn't have a button on so it, it's what was due and of course got it from target because i got a gift card freshman year they mm. were giving out gift cards just trying to make us feel happy about going to school during covid there were so many drawings and i was winning a lot of them. i felt really awesome about that but yeah red turtleneck
0: red turtleneck yeah i, I remember the turtleneck um and I our first in-person interaction was uh, you coming to help out at the black family orientation uh, that mm-hmm. was our first time interacting in person which I use interacting loosely because I was just we we're on the ground running like I was more so just telling you what to do where to go mm-hmm. it was really helpful so I appreciate that um, but I was thinking I was like dang precious is taller in person than I thought you would be because you know on <laughs> zoom like you only get this little box of people so right uh, you could know, five two five three That's but true. I was like I was like, oh, yeah, Precious is taller than I expected. Mm -hmm. Um, And you mentioned starting school at UCSD in 2020, all the gift cards and the giveaways. What was that like starting your undergraduate career in the midst of a global pandemic when nobody knows what is going on?
1: It was weird in a sentence and not the best because I remember like being on the Internet because everybody was at home. So everybody's screen time went up some of us to no return to normal levels (laughs) but like I remember seeing my peers on the internet these are strangers just peers because we're in like same age group, talking about like got into college but I'm gonna wait a year trying to ride this pandemic out and I did not understand that looking back I understand that because thankfully (laughs) it was only like really bad as far as its impact on how academics Played out during that first year. But me, especially being pre-med, I was from that uh, mindset that, like, no, time is of the essence. I cannot wait for a year to sit around and I don't want to work down the street. So we're just going to trudge through and like make it happen. But attending college for my first year, you know, with the expectation prior to COVID that I'd have a roommate for that college experience, like, I'm in a double so there's a bunk bed next to me and I kept like thinking things would get back to normal with it within a few months so I didn't even utilize the extra space like that stuff just stayed the way it was although I used my would-be roommates desk for like my filter and stuff I never used the extra bed because like no someone's gonna move in soon they never did (laughs) and like attending lectures uh no one's turning on their camera and me the ambivert I have to go into extrovert mode especially in the breakout rooms because these people don't want to talk like your camera's already off exactly then you don't want to speak like help me out and (laughs) it just (laughs) it was a lot and then it's like you're still meeting people of course because freshman year you meet everybody but who's going to become your friend that's a different thing and like I said, homebody, I was in my room way too much. Mm-hmm. If I left, it was to go to Target because I was spending way too much money or <laughs> the dining hall. And I wouldn't even sit in the dining hall. I just grabbed my pizza, came back home. 20 pounds later, I'm like, I need to make friends. <laughs> so yeah, that's how freshman year went as far as like starting uh, college during COVID. So yeah, it was very weird, but it's just like, oh, well. We just got to work with what we got because we can't rewind time. And it's not like I'm going to drop out or anything. Like I came here to get a degree. We're going to get mm-hmm. it and then get the other ones and just keep it pushing.
0: You say other ones, are you planning on doing a master's and PhD or doctorate? What's What's the plan for the multiple degrees?
1: Right, right. PhD. I don't know. I'm really, I'm really not interested right now. As far as like the extra time and money commitment, and like the whole dissertation. If I write a book, it's for me and my audience. You know, type of situation. Not for some people in a boardroom to be like, "Oh, mm, should we accept or not accept?" Like, how dare you? spend <laughs> years on this dissertation, it's supposed to be in a library, okay? Cause like my great uncle, uh, he was a PhD, and I remember my dad talking about, oh, he went to the library one day. He saw his dissertation in the library. Like, that is so cool. But I have other cool things that are, like, at the forefront of my mind right now. <laughs> the others referring to MD, MBA, which business minor officially declared taking my first uh, business, like, type class right now. Professor is so cool. Okay, so it's week zero. We just had our first day of classes. Dude is super funny super qualified as far as like, oh, I have 20 plus years of experience in bringing up failing businesses type of thing. But he's actually like pretty cool. So yeah, those are the degrees on my mind at the moment. PhD, that will be for fun. And (laughs) clearly that's a different definition of fun than the typical (laughs) definition as of now.
0: Shout out to you for picking up that business minor. I know it's something that we had talked about uh, just your interest in business and the world of business. Um, I think those types of conversations that you and I had was the first time I was like, oh yeah, I guess I am like an MBA student. Like I I am an MBA, Mm -hmm. like I can't speak to this. It was kind of interesting. And that kind of segues a little bit because I have a lot of people close to me that listen to this podcast and they know Mm -hmm. some aspects of my life. But I think one of the things that, as you grow into adulthood that nobody really understands or has a clear picture of. is like what people are like at work or like what people do for work. So Mm -hmm. putting you on the spot real quick, what was it like to work with me as not, I wasn't your direct supervisor, but as Mm -hmm. a full-time staff member at the BRC, as you are a student intern, what was that experience like?
1: It was chill. I appreciated the vibe of the black resource center. And (laughs) although you, uh, clarified that you weren't my direct supervisor I considered you all my supervisors because you're what I call professional adults which is that you've been adults for a few years you've paid bills paid taxes you know the ropes and I'm just observing in the meantime so yeah it was fun working with you and of course like we understand uh, our respective senses of humor so yeah
0: it's just it's still weird hearing like being referred to as like the professional (laughs) adult or the real adult like Uh that was that was part of growing up for me too at UCSD I was like oh y'all really think I'm like an adult like I just Mm -hmm. got this figured out like and I tried to let y'all know as much as possible like yeah I'm an adult but I'm not I'm not a real adult like Mm -hmm. I'm just a kid
1: (laughs) yeah we appreciate that but take it as a compliment for sure because clearly you're doing something right for it to come off that way so yeah
0: yeah absolutely I mean I remember it was one time at the BRC I forget who it was but one of y'all thought I was like 33 or something y'all thought I was older than the assistant director I was like Mm -hmm. oh no I I am
1: (laughs) it's like slow down y'all actually not
0: (laughs) Uh uh-huh I was like like, let me lighten up a little bit maybe I'm a little too serious around y'all I think I'm like in my 30s and I'm excited about getting to my 30s but it was just like oh let let me uh let me let y'all know just how youthful I am for lack of a better word like because I do one of the things that I really prided myself on or still pride myself on as a professional working in a higher education setting is to like play the professional card and let students know like what professionalism can look like but at the same time make sure that it's really clear like yo I'm i'm 27 like you're not that Mm -hmm. far from where i am and yes i'm in this position but no like i still like having fun like we can still laugh we can still have a good time and i'll do my best to be an adult figure and a role model and all that but Mm -hmm. it's a learning process for us all at the end of the day so um thanks for the affirmation that it was a fun time i'll send your check in the mail Uh, (laughs) you're welcome and thank you (laughs) of course And then just one more tidbit about UCSD that I kind of alluded Mm -hmm. to a little earlier. Um, One of the most frequent questions I get asked by people that I used to go to school with is like, what is the Black community like now? Because we had our... We had our community. We had a definition of what our community was, our vibe in our community, but from your experiences and obviously just speaking for your own individual experience, what is that Black community experience like at UCSD for you? What does that community feel like for you? I know that you're a homebody and say you don't get out as much, but from what you are able to uh, feel within the Black community, what has that experience been like for you?
1: I would say... I keep saying I would say it's like obviously you would say you're about to talk right now (laughs) anyway I am saying (laughs) that the black community or black experience at UCSD is what you make of it because thankfully we're growing as far as numbers but there's also from my observation because I still have like room to interact with people more and just like say hi when I recognize somebody, cause somebody uh-huh. like, like sometimes I'll make eye contact, but I'm going somewhere. It was like a quick glance. So I won't even like wave, but in my mind I've waved, but no one's mind readers. So like, let's do better. <laughs> and <laughs> there's like uh, pockets within. Cause of course, like for example, the I think it's Ethiopian and Eritrean Student Association. And then Nigerian Student Association, of course, Black Student Union. And through the Black Resource Center events, that's when I feel like everybody, as schedules align or like someone's close to the area on campus, uh, connects with each other. And the NPHC Plaza is dropping, I think, this quarter if mm-hmm. not for sure this school year. So that's really exciting because aside from the Black Resource Center, that's like another space on campus. And I feel like that's a way the institution is really like showing visible support in addition to like uh, representation through food for the Black diaspora in Eighth college, which I'm excited to see come to fruition because I want to see the lineup. Like, come on, we we have so many meals to work with, not just Black History Month menu edition. Like, let this be year-round type of situation, you know. So I'd say, uh, <laughs> rolling my eyes at my own. I'd say anyway, <laughs> uh, growing and thriving as of now and saying that and hope for the future that we just keep enjoying our experience at UCSD.
0: Love that. You should go into like public relations work or something. Cause I feel like that was a very like, even kill answer like I feel like you hit all the right points didn't say anything like too out of bounds and it was like it, all in to, it was an honest answer like I'm not saying that it was scripted or anything but mm-hmm. it just felt very like on on brand like I feel like you were very intentional with the words that you use when you speak I am too so it's like I understand it but yeah mm-hmm. great answer thank you great answer So outside of education, obviously you are a whole person and there are many parts to you as a person. Uh, So I want to start with you as an artist, because I feel like when we talk about art and we talk about artists, that's such an all-encompassing word that can mean a lot for a lot of different people. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different facets to artistry. Uh, So the first question I'll ask is just, how do you define yourself as an artist? i know i didn't prepare yeah, you for that questions. one. Maybe on
1: <laughs> yeah yeah how would i define myself as an artist i would say oh my i need a new catchphrase this is getting on my nerves like this just happened anyway i would define myself as an artist as an observer who creates because like i love people watching and when I'm walking, especially through campus because we have so many trees and just, it's so beautiful sometimes. Like I'll be taking pictures and I just have so many references on Instagram, on Pinterest and my camera roll, you know? So I'm observing a lot because it gives me inspiration but also references because I'm very much, at least to myself, still a beginner as far as like my skill set, And I'm trying to grow through making more, of course. But But I also said creator, because it's like, we're made by creator God in his likeness and his image. So we have that ability to take something in our minds and our hearts and just make something new that hasn't been here before. Of course, we can see like, oh, you're influenced by this artist in like somebody's style or something, because we all draw inspiration from others and the things around us and our experiences. But yeah i would say observer and creator i've never thought of that question that's such a good question like you're such a good podcast host oh my goodness thank you for that question that was good crown ellen bay area a proud sponsor of the banquet hall podcast thanks for listening
0: You recently posted on your artist page on Instagram a picture of December 2019, your first acrylic painting set into where you are now as an artist. So what does it feel like? And I know we're going to get into the details of it all, but what does it feel like to look back at this almost four years of progress as an artist? I know you say that you're still a beginner, but Mm -hmm. you're you're less of a beginner than you are a beginner, of course, because you've been doing the things, but what does it feel like looking back at just how much you've invested in yourself as an artist over the last few years?
1: It feels good, honestly. And it made me realize, although like I create stuff at a slower rate than I'd like because I'd prefer to be pumping out paintings and drawings a lot more not just for the sake of speed but because I have such a long to-do list and like ideas Mm -hmm. of paintings sitting in my mind and in my phone notes app for like easily over a year now for some of them but like seeing that picture and of course making that post because I really wanted to acknowledge that uh it just made me feel really proud and grateful because it was just that one art class in senior year, which made me wish I took an art class freshman year because I had so much fun, but it's like, I'm graduating now. Oh, shucks, you know, type of thing. Like, I really was just amazed because I didn't realize how much I've grown and improved in that time, even though it feels slow because I'm looking at like, oh, the past month, I haven't finished this painting that I started in February, but it's like, just zoom out real quick like you used to not paint at all and now when you paint a person whether it's from reference or like from your mind like it looks like a person (laughs) you know (laughs) it's not just vague shapes and colors (laughs) that somebody really has to imagine because I do try to attempt realism only because I feel like in doing so like Artists that talk about studying anatomy. It's like learning the rules so that once you've mastered them, you can properly break them the ways you want to. But I'm still in that learning the rules type of phase. So it was just really cool because it's like, wow. Like I really have to credit myself. Like, not Precious, you're making progress and all progress counts. So keep tracking it for sure. Because like that first acrylic painting versus the one I'm currently on right now, Light years away, and like neither Uh. of them are like from real people. Although the current one has some reference pictures, it's still like just overall a child of my imagination. Like, I'm not just recreating a picture of a person that I thought Mm -hmm. was cool or like had cool bone structure. Like, there's many elements going on into the painting, and I'm really excited to finish it so that I can like see what it, it finally comes to. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I highly encourage you, like when it's two years from now and you're in the middle of, I don't know, do painters have painters block, kind of like writers have writers block. Is that a thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you're in the middle of painters block, I highly encourage you to tune into this episode at this point, just to hear yourself talk about that progress that you've made. Because I think that what you said, and I hear this a lot when about from artists when I interview them. It's just such an artist thing to say, like, oh, like, I'm not doing enough, or I want to be doing more. But when you really start to unravel all that you have done, you really start to see those 10,000 hours of work in progress, because... All of that process is part of the art process as far as I'm concerned, whether it's taking notes, taking pictures on campus, like that's all fueling the inspiration for the art that you're eventually going to create. So maybe you only produce like one painting in six months. But when you really start to unpack how much thought went into that painting, it's like, no, you've been working. You just haven't been physically putting paint to canvas. So Mm -hmm. uh, this definitely probably be a segment of the podcast that you will have on loop when you need some motivation. And so you mentioned senior year of high school taking a art class, correct? Correct. Yeah. Have you considered taking any art classes at UCSD?
1: Yes, I took one freshman year and it was through that class that I acquired my art cart because I already bought the cart from Target for moving in because, you know, all the like college dorm inspo, a lot of them had carts <laughs> like with the wheels, so I was like, okay, I might need that. And I already, like, moved in with it. And then the art professor, his list of supplies, long, okay? I spent over $100. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is, like, more than a textbook. But thankfully, it was worth it because, like, some of the stuff I'm still yet to open, like, I have a little ink thing and a bunch of brushes and stuff. And it just helped me, like, maintain that momentum that I got from the high school senior class. Yeah. As far as taking more in the future, like that's the goal, but the way this academic plan is looking, it's, it's not happening. Like the art class will be me and YouTube at this rate because I am filled to the brim, global health, business, pre-med, like my classes are set in stone pretty much.
0: I feel that. Um, and maybe this is the advisor in me taking a step onto the podcast, but mm-hmm. I would encourage you to be critical about that academic plan to see if you can throw like an art class in a senior year. Like you might, you're right, you might have a little bit of wiggle room in your schedule because just looking back at my time at UCSD, like mm-hmm. I wish that I prioritize at least maybe it was a summer class, a room somewhere in my schedule just to take something for fun because. I True. feel like those types of things that fuel our passions are very important. But like you said, even if it's just YouTube or masterclass, there's plenty of ways to get that done. But mm-hmm. I'm a fan of using UCSD resources to further yourself as a holistic person. Um, when well, we talked a lot about kind of like getting started with painting, um, some of the inspiration behind getting some of those paintings going, what does painting do for you or where do you get out of the act of painting?
1: When I haven't painted in a while, it's relaxing because it's like, oh, thank God, like we're finally back at the dining table, just having fun painting in general, that necessary outlet, because I'll have ideas, you know, as I'm walking or whatever. And it's like, they're written in a variety of places. Like I want to begin the process of making this thing. And it fuels me, honestly, because it's like, Being creative, and yes, I feel like the word creative is oftentimes reserved for the arts. And that, I feel like that is just where creativity is honored and Mm hyper-visible. We can be creative in a variety of ways. Like I remember in one, I don't know how to describe it. It was like a church program, yeah, from elementary, no, not even like kinder to eighth grade. I remember seventh grade one night because it was a weekly program Tuesday nights. They There was one question like, in what ways are you creative? And I was like, well, like the way I load the dishwasher, like you just have to be able to format. <laughs> and clearly, I remembered it to this day. I was like seventh grade, but like I just I couldn't think of anything else. I was like, well, I'm creative with the way I load the dishwasher because I have to arrange the dishes to like get the maximum use out of the space that's available. Like don't put a plate this way when you put it this way and then make room for three other plates or bowls, you know? And I uh, feel it. I just wanted to say that as far as like creativity being more than just uh, going to galleries and stuff, that stuff is fun. You know, fashion shows, they're all fun. They're necessary because creatives in those spaces ought to be able to share their art as they choose to do so but creativity can be expressed and enjoyed in a variety of ways like even just the way that we move in our relationships like as you know the other person's love language you can be creative with the ways that you minister to them and just show that love and appreciation you have for them but yeah painting is just really fun like i've neglected drawing because for me drawing is scary especially with pen or like colored pencil, because there's that sense of permanence. I feel like sometimes I get really dependent on pencil for like a sketch because I'm prone to tend or I'm prone to like aim for perfection. There is no perfection in this. Like we're just making stuff and enjoying the process. So enjoy the process. Don't try and like uh, have a certain target because sometimes the end product is better than the original idea. Sometimes it's worse because it wasn't what we were going for, but just because it's different doesn't mean it's worse. And at the end of the day, it's like, are you at least learning something or have you tried something new? If so, okay, pat yourself on the back. Like now you know what you either don't feel like doing again or feel like exploring more because you can use one medium in a variety of ways.
0: There's a lot of gems there. I just need to let that marinate. Like there's there's a lot that you said there that I think is very important. Uh, also like sparked a lot of, I feel like the cognitive science brain in me because I was like, hmm, I wonder where, this uh not fear of permanence but this preference for like the pencil versus a pen i'm like wonder where else that shows up in your life but this is not a Uh. therapy session this is (laughs) a podcast episode Mm -hmm. um one thing i did just because like this is this type of stuff i like to do on uh podcasts walk us through the perfect way to load a dishwasher what's what's the game plan
1: well it's been a while since i've used one because frankly (laughs) we We forgot we have one like we wash dishes by hand so much i would say oh my goodness (laughs) i'm saying (laughs) uh the little like square basket sections Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's standard i'd assume so like i like to keep the utensils separate they don't need to go together like that doesn't make sense to me forks together spoons together butter knives as I call them and then the big utensils like the cooking and serving ones they can all be in their own like that's that category they can be in their own thing and if you don't have up to four boxes I guess you'll have to mix things up and then I like all the like plates to be at the bottom together and then if there's any cups unless I want to put them in the upper rack like mugs more specifically, because they're like ceramics, Mm -hmm. I put that at the bottom. And then I put the bowls on top. But then again, like most people have already like wiped off the food before they put it in. So I feel like there's uh, not that much influence for where you put your bowls. But according to size, like I would put the bowls in the remaining space. And then plastics and stuff are on the upper rung so of course they don't get melted or whatever because I was told about that one time and yeah that's the way I would do it I feel like there's something else oh pots pots also go <laughs> at the bottom and like their covers and stuff yeah I bet you
0: didn't expect me talking about cute. loading I bet you weren't expected to talk about loading a dishwasher on this podcast this morning right but um I just was curious how you would describe that because I love what you said about uh, just how we look at creativity and being creative like whenever I hear somebody say they're not creative or not a creative person I always I really that I think that's the one sentence that always makes me want to like poke or like dig deeper into that I'm like no Mm -hmm. everybody can be creative like what are you creative about is a question that more people need to figure out because I feel like we're all creative about something whether it's how Mm -hmm. we do makeup how we get dressed in the morning uh, the way we look at life and i think by default especially anybody who has participated in any type of education, no setting. And I'm not just speaking college, I'm speaking whether you watch a few YouTube videos, whether something you learn in high school, middle school, there's a certain way that our brains see the world that is creative compared to another person. You as a global health person, you're going to see situations a lot differently than me as a cognitive science person. You as uh, artists are going to see things differently than me as a poet. Like There are just different things that influence the way we see the world. And so... Uh, just for our listeners out there, just encourage y'all to figure out what's your creativity, like whatever that creativity may be, wherever whatever form it may take. Find out what you are creative in, because I hate when people say they're not creative. And mm-hmm. honestly, there are some people who might be less inclined to like letting themselves delve into that creativity. But I really think that spark is in us all somewhere, and it's what makes us human.
1: Agreed. And just to add, uh, I'm reading you don't have to raise this. Your hand. <laughs> I know, but I wanted to like make it known that <laughs> <laughs> I have something to say before we switch topics. Uh for that reason, like as an artist, my for you pages are also art related. Other but sometimes they're not. Like I click not interested more than I should on the daily, but when I do get art content, like I will get book recommendations that like an artist might appreciate. And a book that came up a lot was The Artist Way by, hold on, what's her name? Julia Cameron. There we go. I borrowed it from the library. Remember, y'all, the library exists, and mm-hmm. it's a public resource. Use, Utilize your library, please, okay? I have the library app on my phone, listening to audiobooks, my school library. That's where I got this from. And I'm currently reading it. It's great so far, okay? And... That is a book I would recommend. Like, I don't even need to finish it yet to recommend it. I recommend, like, if especially if you are somebody who often says or thinks, oh, I'm not creative, I recommend going through that book because it will ask you the questions that either you've never thought of or have been afraid to answer because you need to confront what's in you and your path to realize, like, why you misunderstand the concept of creativity and why you think you don't have the capacity ability or really what it takes to be creative when in reality you do you just need to let yourself discover it
0: absolutely and can you get the title of that book one more time for our listeners yes
1: the title is the artist's way with an apostrophe s like the way of the artist the artist's way
0: thank you for the grammar lesson with the apostrophe s. Too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome I mean, sometimes it's necessary. We'd be on the internet so many times. Grammar rules just go out the window.
0: Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation for sure. Um, But transitioning a little bit out of the painting portion of your artistry and into fashion. I know that fashion is something uh, that is, well, I don't want to speak for you, but it seems like fashion is a passion of yours or at least a general interest of yours. Um, Do you define yourself as a fashionista? Are you a seamstress? Who are you as a fashion person? (laughs)
1: Fashionista seems up there. I mean, I feel like I can dress, but I don't be often because it's like I'm going to school and I'm cold on the trolley. I'm cold in lecture hall. (laughs) This jacket isn't cute (laughs) enough. Like I'm trying out here. But seamstress, I'm working up to that. That feels like, you know, professional. And I'm still like acquaintance. No, that's not the word.
0: Apprentice. Oh, Apprentice. Yeah,
1: yeah, Apprentice. It rhymes. That's why my brain mixed it up. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I do like fashion. Just like, you know, similar to the whole art thing. I took art class type situation. This actually started in middle school. Mm -hmm. I went to the sewing. I think it was called a sewing club, but we were knitting. No sewing occurred, which was funny. But yeah, it was the sewing club. (laughs) I knit a beanie. Uh, cause when I was in middle school, so this is like, uh, mid to, we'll say mid, mid 2010s, 2016, Oof. for example. Yeah. Uh,
0: back but, in that will hurt my gut. As soon as you started it, saying mid, I was like, please don't say the year. <laughs>
1: <Sorry>. <laughs> no, because like, as I'm growing up, I realized when I say, when I was in middle school, People were in middle school at different times. So, like, I need to frame it because, you know, we own calendars just to help people get a sense of reference. But mid-2010s, everybody was, like, uh, doing, was it called magic loom Something like that. But, like, rubber bands on a circular loom. Kind of similar to like knitting or spindle, but like modern version with rubber bands for children, really colorful. And I say for children lightly, obviously it's not like an age limit, but my middle school, we were having fun with it. People were selling bracelets, okay, (laughs) like, (laughs) and people were buying. And it started from like making those bracelets at extended day to joining that club, seventh grade. Making a beanie, it was too tight for my head, so that was sad. But I also made my first shirt ever. And, oh, wait, no, we did sew. I remember, because I sewed the shirt. And then, you know, from there, like, still just being interested in fashion. Then Project Runway on TV at home. That was my show, okay? Like, I was just, I loved that show. And just seeing these designers design just beautiful (laughs) stuff. Like who would have thought designers design and then from middle school to high school. And thank God, God aligned me for real, because that interest was there. Then my high school has a sewing and fashion club. And they're not just like talking about sewing and fashion, but my school had a fashion show every year. And the club advisor was an alumni of the school and a designer three times. So she had been third place, second place, first place. So like, Miss Thing knows what she's doing, okay? And we were having fun. So I joined freshman year and I did a collection, came in third place, which was mind boggling. You know, like I have very little sewing experience. Like she really taught us how to sew, really helped us out. We were going to the swap meet, getting fabric. Like it was really fun. And then came back junior year, did a men's collection the first ever at the school and that was more of a challenge than I expected because since I designed so many pants that was when I realized I hate sewing pants like it, it's just the crotch that's that's like a scientific part of clothing it was just too complicated but came in second place had fun and then senior year I took off because I wanted to focus on you know, getting into college, and then COVID happened, so kind of worked out, but still designing. Now for myself, though, because my closet annoys me. Like, I've been wearing some of the same clothes for way too long now, and Mm -hmm. I've outgrown them style-wise and literally for many of the clothes, and I even have, like, clothes that I... Sketched last summer that are yet to be made on my bulletin board here. But yeah, we're still designing, still watching like all the New York Fashion Week, Lagos Fashion Week, all of them on social media and yet to attend one live. But yeah, fashion's still there as an interest for sure.
0: And you mentioned something that I want to expand upon just a little bit, and that's the scientific nature of some of the things that go into fashion. Because I feel like, especially in a traditional sense, when people think of scientific related things, it's always like biology, chemistry, like these quote, unquote" hard sciences. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the scientific nature of fashion?
1: Well, it requires math because when you're making patterns, like you're dividing by this, and with fittings, you gotta make alterations, and you're imagining your garment in blocks before you make it. And it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I tend to confuse them, like architect or engineer, whoever makes the blueprints, you're making blueprints, (laughs) but for a garment, yeah. And it's just very technical before you get to the real fun. Because I just want to pick a cute fabric and sew it and it comes out good. But clearly, it's not always that straightforward. And that's why, like, pre-made patterns are very helpful. But even, like, just working your sewing machine well, also, like, getting the tension right. And then the type of thread you're using and blah, blah, blah. Like, a sewing session can get quickly stressful. And they're never shorter than, like, three hours. And then you remember, oh, wait i need to stand up my back hurts or let me check my posture because i'm leaning and i no
0: no yeah yeah i feel like just the world of fabrics textiles, sewing fashion like it's so much more involved complex scientific uh than a lot of people give it credit for or realize mm-hmm. uh, because 2020 Uh, I was living with a partner at the time, ex-partner at the time, um, and she got into sewing, and so she bought a sewing machine. She had, like, Mm -hmm. the little uh, mannequin model. She had the textiles and just all the different books and different shapes and stuff. She was cutting out. I'm like, oh, this is complicated. Like, because my only relationship with sewing was just like, oh, let's hem these pants real quick or Mm -hmm. a stitch, like a hole or something that appears in some fabric. But just to see, just like you said, the shapes, the there's geometry involved. Like there's just so many different layers to it. So I think that goes back to your creative process too. I'd be curious if I could, analyze your brain (laughs) I would be curious like (laughs) how fashion shows up and just like how you see the world or maybe I don't Mm. know if you have an answer to that do you feel like fashion shapes the way that you see the world or are you conscious of how fashion shapes how you see the world I should ask
1: I would say yeah to a degree because my appreciation for color and texture is maybe like slightly above average and Mm. as a painter as well like color theory just pops up to me a lot in my day-to-day. Like I'll see a makeup look on my Explore page, and I'm like, well, of course it looks good because they used blue and orange, which are compliment- Like I'm literally just narrating what I thought the other day. This makeup look, it was a graphic eyeliner with some blush and a lip, obviously. And the graphic eye obviously. had- because <laughs> yeah, They're all on the same. Page here anyway uh there was blue and orange which are complementary colors and when they're next to each other they pop and there was also pink and pink goes very well with orange but it also goes well with blue because like if you see for example makeup looks with or, like a blue eye and a red lip it just looks amazing and pink is very close to red and pink is also especially the shade that the makeup artists used they were all very vibrant so very saturated hues of each color that was used so it looks good with the orange, origin also looks good with the blue so like everything's cohesive and it works together and I'm just like she's done it again like this makeup artist she's always doing it so well and yeah like I could see how that shows itself in my daily life because I'll be appreciating people's outfits when they walk by And also like the movement, because Mm. fashion is not just the texture or the color or the cut, but it's also the way it moves in real life. And that's what makes Uh. runway so amazing, because when you see a stiff fabric versus something that's flowing in the breeze, that's why Beyonce always got the fans on. So her hair is blowing, you know, like movement, it just adds another dimension to everything. And movements all around us. Like now it's finally windy because my window's in front of me. Because it wasn't windy before, but now the leaves are moving and it's really pretty. So stuff like that.
0: Got yeah, I me mean, thinking about every outfit I ever wore to work right now. Like, <laughs> did I have the color theory down pat? Like, was my outfit flowy enough? Like, but no, it's uh, it's cool to hear you talk about fashion because I think that. When that's one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast is because you start to see where people's passions just show up, like what they light up about, what they get excited to talk about, what Mm. they get lost in talking about too, like the whole color theory, what you say, blue eyeshadow, red lip or something like that. He's like, obviously, (laughs) I was like, obviously, my ass. Like I'm i was really sitting here really trying to piece it all together i'm like okay like okay that goes with that um but no i think it's it's just so cool and you make me want to interview more people that are in fashion or have a more elongated conversation about fashion just because i feel like yeah and maybe this is because i recently watched the devil Wars Prada for the first time recently me too,
1: a few days ago
0: yeah i watched it for the first time last week right before i left for amsterdam i was like oh like i I love i love just how they talk about fashion in that movie Mm -hmm. um did you find a lot of inspiration from the devil wears prado or like you see yourself in that
1: do i see myself in it no because the
0: industry it,
1: it didn't look fun but like meryl streep they all did their thing but i definitely saw some inspiration because i remember hearing like Fun facts about the movie and that it had like a super mm-hmm. high budget and like designer brands were given them like actual pieces because of course they were like mentioning designers, but everybody was so well dressed like oh my god just give me the closet I don't I don't need to <laughs> work in the brand just give me the closet it was just so beautiful like oh my goodness it, it was it was a cool movie I mean I didn't expect like the ending. What's the girl's name? Anne Hathaway. Angel- Angelina Jolie was in my head for some reason. Anne did the thing. Okay, I was proud of her character for just, like, choosing herself. But, of course, like, she absorbed the fashion world after exposure to it because she kept dressing cute afterwards. Like, there was nothing wrong with her before. She just wasn't, like, putting that much effort or, like, oh, Into her outfits. But afterwards, like, and she was wearing heels so many times. Like, I don't wear heels like that. I don't know how to walk in heels. That's like one of the saddest things as far as like my current relationship with fashion because I can't walk in heels. And it doesn't help that the fashion industry keeps acting like all ladies are size sixes to eights. Like, side note, us humans for the past (laughs) however many decades. Like at birth, our heads keep growing and our feet have been getting longer. And this applies to women. So fashion industry, please catch up because it's like, yeah, if you see a problem, fix it. But why should I have to get the capital, the funding, the mission statement, brand this, brand that, just so that women with like double digit sized feet can have heels? Because when we do have heels, they're like some plain black pumps or they're stilettos. If my feet are this long, I'm probably tall. I want more support, okay? And I have like little arches. So it's like, please give me a block heel and like make this cute. But also don't expect me to pay $100. Because that's another thing I noticed. If you want cute shoes, you're paying triple digits. But why should Stacy over here or whomever, just general name, with the size (laughs) six or the size eight, be able to get like $50? heels and Uh, they're cute and they have options and this isn't even just heels like the whole gendered clothing situation is very annoying because because uh, it's gendered the size options are limited so even going to nike okay i didn't expect to mention any brands or any people by name okay but this example's on my mind because i'd be on the website sometimes wanting some shoes or i'll make like custom shoes because i just like having my own colorway and the women's options so cute okay color options really nice but the options may stop at like 10 11 sometimes 12 but there might be only like five in stock so that's not Uh, fun and i'm a half size too so that uh, doesn't help because half sizes rarely exist so you always gotta size up and then wear thick socks so you're not slipping around but yeah (laughs)
0: well that was the public service announcement corner from precious um (laughs) Nike's definitely not sponsoring this episode after hearing that. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm just, Nike ain't about to sponsor these episodes yet. I I'll I will throw it yes on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I don't, I don't well, I'm not going to say I don't want Nike to sponsor. I'll be mm-hmm. great. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But like I said, it's it's always cool just to see people get animated about the things that they are passionate about. Uh, so thank you for educating some of our listeners on how a person who is interested in fashion sees the fashion world as well as just, yeah, some of your gripes with the fashion industry. Cause I think those are important to be named. I don't think people think too often about all those different nuances to when it mm-hmm. comes to people obtaining clothing. And so the last question I'll put you on the spot for, uh, for fashion, what is the precious fashion look or idealized look like what's, what's precious going for when it comes to precious, own fashion.
1: Well, it's not limited to, like, one look. So let's say look book because there's dresses in there, yeah, and pants and skirts. I love skirts. I really am trying to get more skirts. Like, I recently made a maxi skirt. Love her. And it's half solids and neutrals, and the other half is color because some days I think I just don't have, like, the mental energy to know that I'm glowing in like bright red mm. or yellow or whatever. Yeah, like sometimes I just need my black with a cream or like with a beige. But the other days, there's color. Call me Skittles. Okay. Yeah. That's the look <laughs> Because we need the whole array of colors and patterns and textures and just like bluff. Like I used to hate tool. I like tool now. Like, we don't love her. I don't interact with her that much. I like tulle. So we might have, like, a tulle petticoat under a dress or whatever. Or maybe exposed tulle. I don't know. I'll have to work towards that. But yeah, that's the lookbook. Half solids and neutrals and the other half colors and lace and chiffon. Maybe some satin. It makes me feel sweaty. But it's really breathable. So, well, not breathable. It's like it moving in the wind.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna do the listeners a favor just because I had to look to say what is what is tool that's a new <laughs> word for me
1: <laughs> oh yay tool t-u-l-l-e it's a fabric it's like netting okay it's it's like a rough texture like when you touch it or maybe that's cheap tool. I don't know if like more expensive tool is softer. <laughs> I'm yet to go to like mood fabric stores. That's the store featured in Project Runway. That's why I mentioned it because they put me on to mood. Love her. I want to go to the one in LA and New York because there they went to the one in New York in Project Runway. But yeah, tool mm-hmm. is just like the skirts that ballerinas and little girls wear. Those though that's tool. For
0: sure. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. As soon as you said it, you was like, Oh, tool petticoat." Like, what are these words that are <laughs> coming out of your mouth right now? Uh mm-hmm. so I I looked it up. So I'm gonna just assume at least some person had to look it up when it was listening. Um, so I asked that one for the people like like my dad don't know what tool is, I don't think. Sorry, dad, if you do, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's transition to one more aspect of who you are as a creative person. Uh, you recently, and I use recently lightly, but you started the Precious Pavilion, your YouTube yeah. channel. Uh, I let you know right before we start recording, I binge watched your entire channel this morning uh just to get into the precious pavilion state of mind as we prepare for this <laughs> podcast. Uh so what made you want to start the precious pavilion?
1: In a sentence, because I want to do like What's the term that researchers use? Abstract, yeah. In a (sighs) sentence, and then we'll do like a little more. In a sentence, uh, I started the Precious Pavilion to help myself, my family, and others simultaneously in a fun manner. And I say that because I'm helping myself because that's another way to be creative. And I felt like it was a cool artistic challenge as far as having topics I want to talk about And seeing how, as a public speaker, I can communicate them. Or when I am recording my artistic process in a long-form version, because Reels on Instagram, that's only a few seconds, you know. But this is, like, even if it's a hyperlapse video, it still could be, like, a length of time showing maybe an hour or more. As well as helping my family, because we're going to get monetized very soon into existence. Yes, sir. (laughs) And I'd love to be able to have that as an income stream to support us and helping others because, you know, being a YouTuber, calling myself a content creator and really like owning those things and actually like claiming those titles, I have that personal obligation to of course provide quality content. And my storytelling or production that that's growing you know as i spend time doing this because like i'm also helping myself gain new skills like video editing Oh lord it's time consuming (laughs) but thank god with this laptop like i got the software so and it's funny because like i got this laptop with extra software thinking like what if i make short films Well, I started YouTube a few months after the purchase, so thank God, you know, it worked out, and I want to be able to, like, uh, inspire people, hopefully, encourage them, because, like, the internet can be a beautiful but also ugly place at times, and YouTube, it's long-form content, so you're going to be here for a minute. You might as well hear something good, help, like, kick you into action, like, okay, this is your last YouTube video for the day after you liked, commented, subscribed, did all the things <laughs> you can close your laptop, close the app on your phone and actually do the things that you said you were going to do because you remember like you are worth that commitment and the goals that you set, they were set to be achieved type of thing. Okay.
0: You said one sentence, but that was that was a little bit more in depth of an abstract. But Correct. I, think it was I just
1: skipped <laughs> the first sentence of the sentence. That was yeah, the abstract no, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and I think that you kind of touched on why people should tune in. So let me just ask, what do you hope people gain from tuning into the precious pavilion?
1: I hope people gain, <clears throat> I would say obviously entertainment. This is social media. But aside from that, if not reminders of like how they could do what it is they want to do. Or like I said, you know, you've watched a video. Don't just trick yourself into thinking you've been productive by watching productivity stuff or like self-improvement stuff, like actually do stuff, as well as encouragement because life can be hard sometimes. And we're keeping it real at the Precious Pavilion, but we're always like, uh like I said, art, faith, and lifestyle, faith, not just that I'm Christian, but also faith in in the sense of like hoping for a good today and an even better tomorrow type of thing. So I hope people gain sense of connection because I do call it a community and we're growing by the day in number and in might, as well as all the things I just said. <laughs>
0: absolutely so highly encourage people to tap into precious pavilion we'll get to where people can find it in a little bit but want to transition to the tail end of the podcast some quick hitter questions uh whatever comes to mind first feel free to let it fly uh starting with who are some people who inspire or influence you as an artist as a person as precious
1: my parents for sure they are just such beautiful people work ethic like up here like how can I be slacking when I remember the work that they've been putting in and just the bravery, you know, like coming to this country, raising me and being as their first child as well. Like I need to keep them proud. Like, of course, they're going to be proud of me by default, but I also just like putting a smile on their faces as well as I'd say KB, one of my favorite rappers for sure. And he just has a way with words, his wordplay in his songs, but also when like, He's talking on scripture, as well as Preston and Jackie Hill Perry, a poet couple. They are so cute. Oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> their family is just so adorable and their brand, everything. Like, they're just a pleasure to have on my Explore page. And those those are the ones I can remember today anyway. But, yeah, they inspire me.
0: I can definitely second your parents being beautiful people. I, were, I would never forget uh, your dad prayed for your dad prayed with me and Portia on a Zoom call. And I had never really prayed for or with on a Zoom call before. And I got all emotional. I was like, dang, like I really feel this prayer <laughs> from the screen. And I uh-huh. definitely was not expecting it. You were just like, oh, like my parents want to talk to y'all. And we had that moment. I'm like, geez, like, let me like <laughs> let me straighten my posture and whatnot. Like I felt really <laughs> good. So a uh, shout out to your parents and hopefully they're Gaining insight more to you as a person too, through listening to this podcast, assuming they're going to tune into the podcast, I would imagine yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure they like and subscribe too. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I will. Trust.
0: <laughs> um, Where can people find you and how can people support you?
1: Where to find me? Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. There'd be more socials, but I do not have the desire or bandwidth for that right now. So... Pinterest is sing, as in like Beyonce sings, sing precious one. <laughs> the number one just sticks everywhere. Um, as well as my personal Instagram, I'm considering like doing stuff over there because like I have two accounts for the meantime. I'm not closing one, so might as well do stuff over there. That is sing dot precious one. Yeah. Then the art Instagram is precious one dot art so like i said the number one makes an appearance and youtube is the precious pavilion as kyler mentioned
0: yeah what's up with the number one
1: i think i just it feels powerful like i've been sticking with it since middle school as far as like usernames and stuff and oh i remember my godfather nicknamed me the precious one since my name is precious so the precious one is like oh the precious one has arrived that's that's me and so like the number one just stuck yeah
0: but like your name is just the perfect name for puns for branding uh, because one of the things I love about the precious pavilion is I think you usually end the episode with I am precious and so are you like I was like oh, yeah. that's so that's so cute that's so perfect like, <laughs> thank you because like I'm not really doing much with Kyler. Like I just gotta kind of figure out what like I, I don't have a catchy way to close the episode with Kyler, no. but we're working on it. We're working on the branding, mm-hmm. we're working on all that. Um, shameless plugs or manifestations. Anything that you want to plug on the podcast, anything you want to manifest things that are coming up for you that you want people to be on the lookout for? Or does anything you want to manifest?
1: I would <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's okay Okay. whatever you naturally inclined to say maybe you just want to make sure that you people know that's what you would like to say like it's it's all good I guess so
1: yeah (laughs) thank you that's just how today's uh unfolding shameless plugs I guess in advance as ironic as it is calling myself like still a beginner artist I'm still like confident in myself because If I'm not going to be confident in myself, then why should I expect others to be and in my Mm -hmm. art? So the art shop will be dropping soon. I do not have a launch date yet, but stay tuned because I will be, like, announcing it in advance over on YouTube and on my art Instagram. Like, we're still securing samples. This was the first sample shirt that I got. There we go. And, you know.
0: Wait, you 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 painted that?
1: Yeah. Well, no. It's a drawing from my sketch.
0: A Yeah. Wow, that's dope. I need that. Thank you.
1: There you go. And uh, still working on, like, research, branding, securing samples. This is a sticker, for example. So, like, we're in the works. You know, this was – I don't know if I should call this a drawing or a painting because I drew it using paint markers. So, I don't know, whatever we'll call that. It it was art. And then this is another recent sample we got. This was a warm-up painting in the sketchbook, in one of my reels on Instagram. So, yeah, Art Shop is coming soon. Stay tuned. And stuff I want to have happen, monetization before year end, and more engagement and, like, community. I really want to see community on my social media platforms. Like, so far... Uh, like, Thankful Thursday on my our Instagram stories, like, reminding people to just do a weekly check. Like, what are you thankful for? I feel like that's been helping me build some community. And once I, like, get over my nerves and have a plan, maybe we can go live on Instagram at least once a month. Still working towards that. But, yeah, just more community monetization, which equals growth, obviously, because you got to meet requirements, more subscribers, all of that stuff. But, yeah, I'm just excited to see my growth as an artist as far as, like, my skill set, confidence, impact, and seeing my art in people's houses. Because I really want to, like, make, at minimum, a reel, because that's only 60 seconds. But even more than that, like, a website and seeing, like, video footage of people opening their commissioned artwork or art from my site and seeing it in different people's homes. Because I really want my art to make a house or an apartment a home because decor is fundamental. And especially once I start Mm -hmm. these commission pieces, like having a self or family portrait, but painted, like you're gonna feel like a king because it used to be only like royalty that were doing this. That's another nice thing about art in our day and age because art is much more accessible and I want to be a part of like making that happen. But of course, like I got to make bank too because we're not doing this for free supplies are not free thankfully michael's hits me up when they get sales but <laughs> it's a two-way street so
0: yeah it is a two-way street uh i appreciate you being ready to showcase some of the things that you have coming like yeah, the shirt the sticker the warm-up which is a beautiful warm-up like if i was doing <laughs> a warm-up you. painting definitely would it look like that uh, but i also mess with the vision because uh, one of my goals is to have like art in my house and I even have it right now, like right above my computer is a painting that Kiana painted and she's commissioning something for me too. And it's just having art by Black people that I personally know, like I think that's so powerful and impactful yeah. Um, and just Black artists in general, but especially Black artists I know. So if you want to paint my future uh, family portrait, you definitely will be commissioned for that. Um, But last but not least, final question of the podcast. What are some takeaways from this episode for you? And what are some takeaways that you hope our listeners are taking with them?
1: For me, conversations like this are really important and fun to have. And I'm so grateful to be here. Like, this is my first podcast appearance, so thank you. And that's another, like, goal that can finally be checked off because I've been slacking on my annual goal (laughs) so far. So (laughs) entering this last quarter of the year, like, We're making some momentum to check more things off. And for the listeners, I would say the takeaway from today's episode is... Give yourself some credit and really look around and look inward. Mm -hmm. Because you're much more cool and creative than you probably let yourself think that you are. And maybe... Look through your camera roll. Even if it's selfies, there's probably inspiration waiting for you to utilize. And you're awesome. So act accordingly.
0: You're awesome. So act accordingly. Uh precious, thank you for your time today for this podcast. This has been a blast. Uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit deeper through the pod, and I hope our listeners enjoyed the conversation the same listeners if y'all did enjoy the conversation which of course you did make sure you leave that five-star rating leave us a like subscribe Uh, but most importantly share with a friend i think the most important a way for podcasts and content to grow is to share with people who we know will enjoy the content. So whether you have somebody in your life that is aspiring to be more creative or maybe you see the creativity in them and they don't yet, some of this podcast maybe will spark some inspiration for them. Uh, if anybody's interested in fashion in your life, painting, just go ahead and forward this podcast or just you know randomly select somebody in your phone just copy the link, send them the podcast. Uh, make sure y'all follow the pod at Banquet Hall Pod. And yeah, it's been a great episode. She is precious and so are you to steal from the Precious Pavilion. <laughs> and we catch y'all next episode. Thank you so much, Precious.
1: Thank you.